Hello, Digital Cathedral family. Brace yourselves for an awe-inspiring journey on Don Keithley's podcast. Take a seat, find your comfort, and let's plunge into the heart of the divine. Today's new message for October 16th is titled, Your Sonship Authority. Good morning, everybody. Glad to have you with me once again. If this is your first time with us at the Digital Cathedral, we, of course, extend a very special welcome to you. Hope you find a home here and uh, some friendships that may stretch around the world. It just may surprise you uh, where your influence reaches when you make a comment. It may just surprise you. Somebody that's watching that might live next door to you. So glad you're with us, whether you're new or whether you're an old timer. If I were to put a... Uh, uh, title on the teaching this morning, I would probably call it Your Sonship Authority Solidified. I'm going to talk about your sonship this morning. This is the third message that I'm doing, and I would, I would call what I'm doing a, a string of messages. It's not a series. A series is where, and I've done tons of series over the years, it's where I take a topic and then I go one, two, three, four, five. I'm not doing that. This is a, this is a string. It's more like uh, a train where the engine is the spirit of truth, and every Sunday morning we're adding a new car to that train. So this is the third car we're going we're gonna to put on that train this morning. We're going to talk about some things that I think might challenge you, but we have a direction. The engine on this train, the spirit of truth, is taking us to a destination. And where I want to end up is helping you to live what I would call the Christ life. The Christ is us life. And we're building on a foundation. We've laid some good foundation over the years. We're, we're building on a foundation of grace, which is the power of the Father to create effortless change in you as you rest in Him. It's a grace that's free from law, free from uh, uh, hoop jumping, free from restrictions. It's absolute, complete favor from the Father to you. It is unsolicited. It's unearned. It's just the deposit, the direct deposit is the best way that I know how to, to tell you. It's his favor that comes to you just because you're a son. And you're gonna, we're going to find out just who the sons are this morning. It's going to be good. So we're building on that foundation of grace. Also the finished work of the cross, that's part of the foundation. When Jesus said, it is finished, he meant everything that was necessary to be done to totally reconcile man back to the Father had been fully completed. Everything that Adam, whatever you think Adam did, Jesus undid. Jesus, the last Adam, Jesus, not second Adam. I've heard a lot of teachers call Jesus the second Adam. He's not second Adam. He's last Adam. Whatever you think first Adam did, last Adam totally reversed and did away with. And the other thing we're building on, of course, is unconditional love. It's the Father's love that he has for all of his creation, you and me, because we bear the stamp, the image of, of his likeness. So uh, the divine plan that the Father established from the very beginning of time, he has set his mind to that it will be completed. I like what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, he said, being very confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. So, being confident of this very thing. Now, that word confident, it, it, actually in the Greek, it's the word patho, P-A-T-H-O, and it means to be persuaded or to trust. Paul's trying to tell us that we can be persuaded and we can trust that what the Father has begun in us, what the Father has begun in all of humanity, He's going to complete it. He's going to see it all the way through, absolutely no doubt about it. And why I'm really interested in this string of messages that we're doing, and each message is going to stand on its own, but each message will be built for the foreseeable future on the past messages. So you don't, you don't want to miss the digital cathedral. If you're not watching Sunday, pick it up during the week sometime. But we're going to, we're going to be building one message on top of the other. Each, each teaching is going to stand on its own, <clears throat> But it's, it's going to be a continual string because I think you're at the place now. I think we're at the, at the, at the position at the digital cathedral when we understand that no, we're no longer living for Jesus. Remember when you used to live for Jesus? 
You strove, you worked, you did everything that you know you knew to do to try to please him, make him smile, make the Father happy. And then many of you got what was called baptized in the Holy Spirit, or you really got totally dedicated, sanctified, whatever term you want to use. Then it was like Jesus living through you. And that's, that's very works-oriented also, because if he's working through me, then I want to make sure that I have the vessel a clean vessel that he can work through. So I did everything that I could do to make sure that I was fit, spiritually fit, uh, spiritually up to date, no unconfessed sin, nothing going on in my life that would hinder that flow. Well, we've come through that progression where we were living for Jesus or Jesus living through us. And now we're at the point at the digital cathedral where we need to deep dive into Jesus living as us and us living as him now this series is going to tap be if you can grab onto that let me just say i need to, i need to say this i need to inject this because people this, there's a lot of hogwash going around i live as him and he lives as me but i'm not him there is a distinction i don't lose my 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 individuality nor does he lose his individuality we are joined together. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord with distinction. Now what this string of messages is really going to focus on is teaching us to live as Jesus lived, as us, from the sufficiency of the kingdom that Jesus lived out of. With Adam, it was the garden. Everything that Adam needed was in the garden. Everything that Jesus ever produced came out of the kingdom. Adam needed the garden. Jesus needed the kingdom. And you and I, living as he is in this present world, I think the Spirit of Truth is bringing us to a time now where we can begin to, to seriously look and have revelation about how we can live out of the kingdom as Jesus lived. Now, we've laid down the first two cars we put on the train. The first car was this. Sorry, are you with me? You're, are you at that point where you're willing to say, as he is, so am I in this world? <clears throat> now, there might be a whole lot you don't understand about that. But you're living up to the level that you have revelation. Now, if we're going to live as he is, I laid, down, I laid down two principles. Teaching number one said this. Everything that we ever will need in life, we already possess. Everything that mankind will ever need, God already created. Six days of creation, he created everything that every individual that would ever inhabit the planet, he already created it. It's, it's at our disposal. We have access to it. We possess it. Peter said, Peter said that we already possess everything that pertains to life and to godliness. For me, that just about covers the street. If I can get everything that I need in this life, everything that I need in my spiritual life, the two become one. You can't separate my natural life from my spiritual life now. They become intertwined. I possess it all. Then the second car that we uh, attached last Sunday morning said this, our provision of all that has been created lies in the unseen. And last week we spent a lot of time talking about that the unseen is more powerful than the seen. The scripture says this, while we look not at the things that are seen, we look at the things that are unseen. Because the things that are seen are temporary. They're temporal. They pass away. They fluctuate. They're subject to change. And the end of the verse says, but the things which are unseen are eternal. They're unchangeable. They're in a fixed position in a fixed position, to live out of the sufficiency of the kingdom within, we've got to be like Jesus. And this is where I think this train is taking us. Spirit of truth is taking us. We've got to be able to be like Jesus and move out of the unseen where all the provision is and bring it into the scene to meet all the needs that we have in life and in godliness. Now, that's going to require that we renew, renew our minds to some truth. It's going to require that we see things maybe a little bit differently than we've seen it in the past, that we look at our scripture, we, we begin to spend some time contemplating, meditating, uh, chewing over revelation that, this, that the spirit of truth brings to us. So I want to talk about a, a real truth this morning, 
which is which is going to be revolving around your sonship authority solidified. When I'm done this morning, I want you to, to be assured beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are a son and it's your sonship that gives you the authority to go into that unseen realm and make visible what was invisible to meet the needs that you have in life. Okay, so let's look at some truth. If we're going to live a Christ is us life, if we're going to live the Jesus life, if we're going to live that life of union, you have to understand that it is lived out of being a new creation. And that new creation sees revelation knowledge. If you're not sure you're a new creation, you're never going to get revelation knowledge. If you have any doubts that you were born from death to life with Jesus at the resurrection, not when you prayed the prayer, not when you said the words, not when you dedicated your life. Peter said that we were begotten again. The words ananageo means to be birthed again, to be born again. First, First Peter 1, 3, I believe it is. That we were born again, maybe Second Peter 1, 3, I can't. We were born again through the resurrection. That's when you were born again. That's when you, that's when you came out of death into life. That's, Jesus was the firstborn among many brothers. And your, your number is in there. You're, you're a brother with him also. But you've got to get this fixed in your mind because if you, if you aren't convinced that you were born again at the resurrection, if you're basing your being born again on a church creed, a church doctrine, a confession that you made, you're never going to have the confidence. You're going to want, did I pray the right prayer? Uh, did I really mean it? Did I pray it in faith? Uh, what about the times I've messed up? Did that negate the prayer? No, 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 no. Here's the truth. This is the fact. And I want you to get this down because we're going to, we're headed toward manifesting. We're heading toward bringing that which is unseen into the scene. We're heading toward understanding that full provision, full creation has already been made available to us. And now it's a matter of us learning how to tap into it. So let me say it to you like this. At the resurrection, Jesus enabled us to have a direct deposit put into our life from the Father of life, Zoe, God kind of life, at the resurrection. And with that direct deposit of life into you, death was eliminated. Death was made obsolete by the will of the Father, not by anything that you did. You had nothing to do with it. It was the, it was the Father's plan. We just read in Philippians 1, 6 that he that began a good work will complete it. Well, he began the good work before the foundation of the world. And he's continued it right up through the resurrection into your life today. And now we're just beginning to grab a hold of it. Get this very cemented in your thinking, in your mind. Renew your mind to this. Nothing of first Adam passed through the cross. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Adam's race died at the cross. No more Adams <laughs> were birthed after the cross. You were not born with Adam's nature. If Jesus was the last Adam, then there's no Adams after Jesus. Any condemnation, any fear, any guilt, any uh, sense of separation did not come from the Christ that is within you. And I'm not going to take time to go back over all those scriptures that talk about Christ in you, Gentiles, the mystery hidden. Now it has been made plain to the saints. Christ in you, Paul said, you Gentiles, the hope of glory. Not going to go over the scriptures where Paul said, when it pleased the Father to reveal the Christ that was in me. The Christ was in Paul when he was wreaking havoc on the church. The Christ was always in us, never been apart from us. If, you, if you're experiencing condemnation, doubt, fear, guilt, any of that garbage, it did not come from the Christ within. It came from some source outside and entered your life. Maybe it came through a preacher, a book. Uh, a video, a YouTube, I, I don't know. But it brought it into your consciousness. So the good news is you're not bringing in the past along with you. You have no past. You, you're, not, you're not bringing along your, your granddaddy's sins. Now there are, there are three scriptures in the Old, Old Covenant. There's one in Exodus 
uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy. I can give you the addresses if, if you want. It's Numbers, uh, Exodus 20, verse 5, Numbers chapter 14, verse 18, and Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 9, that says that the sins of the fathers will be visited on the sons for three or four generations. And that's where we got this whole idea of generational curses. You know what Jesus did? You know what Paul said? Paul said this, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Why churches are having weekly deliverance services, monthly deliverance services, I have no idea. Because that curse was cut at the cross. It did not pass through. Anything that you, you're, you're suffering from today has entered you from the outside in. Let me nail it down for you from the New Covenant. Hebrews, let me go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And let me read just a couple of verses here for you. And this is so important because people carry loads. People carry loads of doubt, of guilt, of unbelief because of what they feel has been passed down to them. You, you know, I, I, come from a, I come from a line of alcoholics. My grandfather died an alcoholic, died of liver cancer. He was a heavy drinker. My father, my natural father had a bout with alcohol. I've, I've, never, I've, I've never really consumed that much. Do I have a margarita with my Mexican meal? Yeah, I do. I'll admit that. Do I have a glass of wine from time to time when we go out to dinner? Yes, I do. But I'm not, I'm not hooked on alcohol. That I can't say, well, you know, my grandfather was alcoholic. My father's an alcoholic. I'm, therefore, I, I just have this consuming desire to drink. No, 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 no. That, that is not passed down to me. If I become an alcoholic, it's my choice, my decision. Now, here's what, here's what Hebrews says about this. Hebrews chapter 10, let me read just verses 16, 17, 18. Probably some of you clicked off when I said I have a margarita or a glass of wine. I can't help that. <laughs> here's what the writer Hebrews said. God speaking, this is the covenant that I will make with them after these days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. If that's true, if, our, if where we miss the mark, sin, harmatia, miss the mark, if, he's not, if he doesn't keep track of it, he said he, he'll have no remembrance of it. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. So we got people all the time confessing their sins to God. Oh, God, please forgive me. Please help me. Please. I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. God's saying, what you talking about? I don't remember those things. I don't remember. And here's the important part. He says, in, where there's remission of these, no, no remembrance, there's no longer an offering for sin. You know what the modern offering for sin is? Confessing them. We take that verse from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I've dealt with that verse so many times. Religion has taken it and tweaked it and jerked it around and made it, made it appear. See, if we confess, if we agree, homologia, if we confess, if we agree with him about sin, and what he, what he says about sin, he says it right here. I don't remember it. I have no, I'm not keeping track. I'm not imputing men's trespasses against them, Paul said. So when you, when you bring it up, he doesn't know what, you, what you're talking about. So this is part of developing the Christ life, the Christ is us life, living that life, his life, intertwined with our life, in union, with distinction, it's, it's part of understanding that we're not harassed by those sins anymore. And you don't have to even confess them. Now, if it makes you feel better, if it clears your conscience, do it. It's not going to hurt anything. But I'm just telling you, from his eyes, the sin has been already taken care of. Does that mean that you can just go out and sin, do anything you want? I'm accused of that all the time. No, it doesn't. The wages of sin is death. Has nothing to do with the Father's judgment. Has nothing to do with the Father uh, uh, visiting you with sickness, disease, or poverty. There is within the seat. You rob a bank, you're going to prison. You drive drunk, you're going to jail. That there is the seed. There is within the seed of sin the repercussion of death. Has nothing to do with the Father. It's inherent within that seed. All right. Let me let me give you just one more. 
Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So if he's not remembering them anymore, why are we bringing them up? Why, why are we walking around with a sin consciousness? I don't, I don't talk about sin. I talk about righteousness. I talk about justified. I talk about redeemed because that's who you are. Your identity is not an old sinner saved by grace. Your identity, and we're going to get to it in just a minute, your identity is fully a son and a daughter of God. And we're on the trail of learning how to manifest that in an increasing intensity. There's only, there's, you're not born with a dynamic nature. Adam's race died at the cross. There's one verse of scripture, Psalm 51, 5, that everybody uses where David said, in, in sin and in iniquity, my mother conceived me. Now that, that whole Psalm, David's repenting of the affair that he had with Bathsheba. He's going through the whole thing saying, sin even affected my, my life, my mother. He goes all the way back. In fact, I'm not sure that David wasn't just talking about his mother in that verse. In sin, my mother conceived me. Now, it depends where you put the emphasis, right? But let me just tell you something. There's no other witness in Scripture that says that that would, that would come in. If you're going to hold to that Scripture that says, well, we were born with a dynamic knee, right there it is in Psalm. First of all, it's Old Covenant. It's pre-cross. Second of all, there's no other Scripture that would infer that. None of the prophets, Jesus, none of the apostles, nor Paul, ever said that you were born with Adam's sin nature. Now, Paul did teach us the effects of Adam. And when he talks about the effects of Adam, for example, in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, Paul says, in Adam, everybody died. But then the second half of the verse, he says, but everybody's made alive in Christ Jesus. What Adam, what Adam put into the human race is an influence. What Adam put into the human race was a giving away of the authority that God had given to him. And it's just stayed with the human race. It's just been passed down. It's been passed down as truth for so long that it's hard to remove it from somebody's mind. But I'm telling you, you're going to have to renew your mind to the fact that you live by revelation knowledge as a new creation. You're a species of being never hit the planet before, brother. You're a new creation. You're not an old one made over. You're not an old one with just some new parts attached. You are a brand new creation. When Jesus walked out of the tomb, he brought humanity with him from death to life. I'm really pushing on this because I want you to eliminate any possibility of the old inhabiting the new. You're not two people. You're not this old guy that's trying to be made better. The church prides itself on sin management, trying to get you to not sin. And the more they try to get you to not sin, the more you sin. Because the strength of sin is the law. So the more, more laws I put down, the more it's going to generate a sin. You want to you live righteously and soberly in this generation? I think it's Titus 2.11, 2.12, says that grace teaches us how to live. Grace teaches us. Grace is the power to live this life that we're talking about. And the Spirit of Truth is taking us to the next step. It's really an issue of sonship. So let me just kind of get into what I, that was all introduction. Let me get into what I really want to get into this morning because living the Christ is us life, moving the the invisible to the visible, tapping into the resources that have already been created for you that contain everything that you're going to need in life or your spiritual development, life and godliness, have already been, have already been distributed to us. The problem is there any unseen. Now, before we, we attach more cars to the train in the weeks that are ahead and actually delve into this, actually delve into it, I need to lay some truth down. I need to lay some foundation down. And the, the, the car we're putting on this morning on the train is the fact that you're a son and that son, that sonship, that daughterhood, as it manifests, is 
your authority that needs to be solidified so that you have boldness and confidence that you're the one that he said could do this. Absolutely. Living the crisis us life is a sonship issue. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. I'm starting to get into this, brother. I'm starting to feel it. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. When the fullness of the time came, had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of as sons. To receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, there it is right there in black and white. Verse 6. Galatians chapter 4. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, the spirit of Christ, spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, into your heart where you can cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy God, Daddy, Father. A lot of people call him Papa. See, that's that, that's that, that comes, all right, now we got this relationship going on. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. Now watch, watch. And if you're a son, then you're an heir of God through, through Christ. As I live this Christ as me life, I learn what my inheritance is. I'm an heir of God. An heir enjoys the inheritance while he lives. This isn't something just all wound up here. One day you're going to get when you walk on streets of gold across the crystal seas and bound through the, through the garden of roses. No, no. In, in, in some bright land beyond the, the sky. No, he's talking about living as an heir today. Being able to pull in out of the invisible what you need for life and godliness. And he's saying, look, because you're a son, you're an heir. And I want, if I get nothing else across this morning in the development of you at the Digital Cathedral, I want you to understand fully your sonship. Sons have been given all things. You're an heir of God. That means you got it all. You're a joint heir with Jesus. But it's, see, the hang up is I can't see it. I can't, I, I don't know if I can get it because I can't see it. Well, we walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. Just stay with me this morning. I, each of these little cars I put on the train, I just want you to, I want you to embrace. And what I want you to embrace this morning is that sons have authority. God-given authority to take their inheritance from the unseen and bring it into manifestation in the seen. Week number one, we said, you got everything. He's already given it to you. You don't have to ask him. You don't have to spend hours in prayer, bawling and squalling and begging and telling God your needs. He's already said, I've, I've met your need. I supplied every need according to my riches in glory. We quote that. We don't believe it. We're still yelling for him to come do something for us. Help us out. Give us just a few crumbs off the table. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. Here we go. Romans chapter 4, 6, 4 and verse 17. Unseen, right? I've made you the father of many nations, he says to Abraham, in the presence of him whom he believed God. Now here's, he's, he's, here's, here's the guy that says, I'm going to give you an inheritance. God, who gives life to the dead. He, he brings something you can see out of what you can't see. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he brought life from the unseen, put it into the, life, into the body of Lazarus, and Lazarus resurrected. And he calls those things that be not as though they were. He calls those things that are not invisible as though they were visible. That's the one who said you're an heir. Here's what, here's what your inheritance is. I'm giving you the ability to give life to the dead and to call things that be not as though they are. See, you've got a divine DNA, my brother. Do you have, did you ever understand that? You have a divine DNA. You, you are the image and the likeness of the creator of the universe. And he blew the breath of life into you. That breath, 
that spirit contained the very essence of everything that he was and he placed it within you. My goodness, let that settle in this morning. You are, you are beyond anything that you probably have imagined up to this point and whatever you have imagined, you are beyond that. That's why we're, why we're doing this string of messages. I, I'm learning, man. I'm getting revelation on this. And where we're going to end up is learning to pull from the unseen to the seen. I did, I did a series on your creator, and it was, I thought it was pretty good. And I revealed some things. I see a whole lot more now. I've got a whole lot more working in this area than I ever have at any time in my life, and I want to share it with you. But sonship has got to be nailed down. Daughterhood has got to be nailed, nailed down. Sonship is the reality so strong. Here's, here's the strength of your sonship. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Let's read verses 31 to 34. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone Jesus. And Jesus said, hey guys, good works I've shown you from my father. Which of these good works are you stoning me for? The Jews answered and said, for good work we don't stone you, but for blasphemy. And there's going to be people that look at these teachings I'm doing and they're going to call it blasphemy. And because you being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered, is it not written in your law? I said that you are gods. Now that's what Jesus said. Now let's, let me just carry this a little further. He's quoting from the Psalms. Let me, let me bring you over here to Psalm chapter 82 and verse 6. Now watch this, watch this wording because this ties sonship into your, into your divinity. Your identity is divinity. You are not God. If he were an ocean, you'd be a cup out of that ocean. The cup out of the ocean would have the same uh, ingredients. It would have the same elements, the same everything about it, same degree of saltiness. That's you. You're the cup. You're a chip off the old block. You're not the block, but you're a chip. Watch. I'm going to tie this God thing to sonship. Or I didn't. David did. I said, you are gods. This is God speaking. And all of you are children of the Most High. Read this again. Psalm chapter 82 and verse 6. I said, you are gods and all are children of the Most High. If the depth of your sonship brings you into divinity, which was your authentic identity to begin with in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 7, and 8. Made in our image, our likeness. That means everything they were, they put into us. Then he tops it off, breathes into us the very breath of Zoe, the very breath of God himself, the life of God. And that's, that's what we're recovering. That's what we're recovering. All right, let me, let, let me just, Psalm chapter 8. I got to give one more and then I got to move on. I got so much to get out tonight. Psalm chapter 8, verse 5. What is man that you're mindful of him? So he's taking the whole of humanity and the son of man that you visit him. So I, I, what I see in that verse is he's addressing the whole of humanity and then he spec specifics, specifies one man, Jesus, and the Son of Man, that you visit him. So he, he brings us together there. There's a union between what is man and the Son of Man. He's bringing them two, two together. For you made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. The word angels is such a bad, bad translation. Any of you that hung around a while know that. The word angels there is actually is the Hebrew word Elohim which means the many-breasted one. It's God. It's referring to he's able to, to nourish and sustain multitudes. You made him just a little lower than Elohim. And you've put all things under his feet. That means authority, dominion, might. Jesus understood it. Matthew chapter 28 said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. That means nothing else has any. Then he says, you go, therefore. It's just, you know, it's just confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that we have looked at ourselves way below our position. And because we've looked at ourselves way below our position, we've not been able to produce what the Father says we can produce, 
We lacked understanding about him creating everything. We lacked understanding about us being able to move as Jesus did from the unseen to the seen. And it carries all the way back to the Old Testament. Somebody said, well, I'm just, I'm see, a sheep, a believer, or a disciple, or a follower are descriptive terms. If you want to, if you want to call sheep, believer, disciple, follower, those are descriptive terms. But until you establish at the very core of your being that you are a son, you are a son, and if a son, then an heir of God. A joint heir with Jesus. Jesus was a son at birth. He was a son when he was 12 and went to the temple. He was a son at 30 when he was baptized. It never changed. He did develop. He did develop. He grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. At your birth, you were a son of God. At 12 years old, you were a son of God. At 30 years old, if you're older than 30, you were a son of God. Now you have grown. You have developed. And this is we're growing and developing right now together. Our best days are still in front of us. The best is yet to come. Hold on, man. The things are going to get really exciting. The darker it gets out in the world, the, the, the brighter your light's going to shine. Sonship <clears throat> picks you up right where you are at birth, and you change and you develop. There's actually four words in the, in the Greek language that refer to sons, sonship. And, you know, we got one word for son, son. That's not so in the Greek. It defines it now a little, a little more carefully. Right, this is, let me just give you a, a 30,000 quick overview of the four levels of sonship. First level is napios, N-E-I-P-O-S. That refers to an infant. And I, can get, I could give you scriptures on all of these. I've done exhaustive studies on sonship because I think it's such an important element in our development. A, a napios is an infant a brand newborn baby to about two years old. It's just a napias. And in spiritual understanding, when we, you know, we come, first come into things, there's so many things I feel like a napias now today. I'm just developing. I'm still in infanthood. The second word's padion, P-A-I-D-O-N. That's a child in the Greek from about from about two up to twelve. Padion. And every characteristic of a child in that development signifies things in your development. You know, when you're a little napias, all, na all, all little babies know to do is cry and, and uh, get fed and mess their diapers up. And that's what I deal with. Napias is that's pretty much the same way. Patients, they're developing. They're learning to walk. They're learning to communicate. It's a great time of development. Third word in the Greek is tekton, T-E-K-N-O-N. That's like a teenager. And Boy, there's a lot of spiritual teenagers. They're loud, they're boisterous, they know it all. You can't tell them anything. They're going to do it their way. Right? That's a stage of development that we go through. And a mature son is, is the word weos, H-U-I-O-S. Jesus was a weos, but he started as a napios, and he developed as a patiot and a technot, and he became a, a, a mature son, a weas. Now, there's one word beyond that. It's the word patier. In the Greek, that means father. We don't have a lot of fathers. We need fathers in, in the kingdom right now. That's a person that has developed to where they can now begin, as Paul told Timothy, Timothy, I'm teaching you that you can go and teach faithful men who teach others also. That's a man who can take from the father and impart into people. Are, are you with me? But they were always a son, whether you're napios, patiot, technot, weas. You're a son. It's a matter of development. It's a, it's a matter of revelation knowledge. It's a, it's, it's a matter of coming into the fullness of what you always were. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6. 1 Corinthians. I can't wait till we get these scriptures all on the screen so that we don't have to wait very long. We're working on that. That's our next project. Watch, sonship. First Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. And yet for us there is one God, one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we live. 
That's it. That's it. That's a description of of a son right there. When a son recognizes there's one God, the Father of all, and we of Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. Our life is a blending, a merging, a union with Him. All right. What? What? What is it? Ephesians four six. One of my favorite scriptures. I quote it so much you should know it by heart. Sonship. Understanding sonship. There's one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. Every person you see is a son of God. They might be in APS, still messing their diapers, but they're, they're a son of God. He's, there's one God and Father of all. It's so clear. Who's above all, through all, and in all. Confirming sonship is important. I've taken this whole lesson this morning to just solidify your sonship authority this is this is so important in your development it's important when you walk out in the world you know you're walking out as a son of god to settle this in your mind to have the assurance that when you go to the mall that if you need to you can pull from the unseen to the scene you can you can go into that storehouse and you can bring out of it what what you or somebody else needs You've always been a son. Jesus was always a son. And yet before, and this is a really important point, Jesus was always a son, but before the Father sent him, he confirmed it. And that's, that's, what gives you, that's what gives you boldness, man. That's what gives you absolute confidence is when he, is when he confirms it. Remember at the baptism of Jesus? John dunks him. Heaven's open. Dove comes down. It, this, is important, this is an important point. It said the heavens were open to him. Now, I don't know if everybody else saw this and heard it or not, but Jesus did. He saw the dove descending from heaven and a voice from heaven saying, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So in just this one place, we have the son, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have the Father. It was the Spirit affirming through the voice of the Father, This is my son. Now, he, he wants to affirm you this morning. If you've never felt affirmed as the Son of God, I'm, I'm affirming you. See, I'm putting this hand up. I'm affirming you this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Back up just a little bit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The same Spirit that affirmed Jesus is affirming you. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit, you, you just, I mean, there comes a point that you know, that you know, that you know. Now, you're still growing. None of us have reached it yet. I, I love the way that first that John says it over in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. He says, Beloved, now are we the children of God. And it has not yet appeared what we shall be. But we know this, that when he is revealed, that doesn't mean second coming, doesn't mean rapture. When he's, when he's manifested, when you see him, beloved, now are you the sons of God? It shall not appear what we, we shall be, but we know this, that when he is revealed, we get revelation of him, that we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. I spend so much time on trying to paint the picture of the right Jesus. The, the, the Jesus that Paul presented. See, sons see by revelation. And the revelation of Jesus, as it comes into high def, you know, it comes into that high definition, you're going to grow. You're going to grow. The, the clearer you see him, the more revelation you get on him, the more you're going to grow from a pateon to a, uh, an apios, a pateon, technon to a weos, believing that you're a son. I, I, I have found that as you come through, through these different phases, that the, under, that the, that the uh, affirming of sonship, the feeling of sonship, gets stronger and stronger and stronger. But, but believing can only come after you're convinced of sonship. See, you, you can't believe what you don't see. You can't believe what has not been revealed to you. You can try to make yourself believe, and you can confess, I believe, but you really don't believe until you see, until we are convinced that we are sons by his faith, by his resurrection, by his work, by his confession, 
by his ascension. I say, hold the phone, hold the phone. I thought it was my faith in him. I don't have time this morning, but Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says that we are crucified with Christ in the life we live. We live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, that's how the King James has it. Several, several versions have by faith in the Son of God. There's a whole lot of difference between having faith in the Son of God and living by the faith of the Son of God. King James got it right. Young's Literals got it right. Several other translations. This is, how, this is one place where the Bible was manipulated. So that the church could teach you or tell you that you got to have faith in him. Problem is you never knew you had enough faith. <laughs> so you lived insecure. You, you weren't really sure that you were a son. Said you thought you were, but you weren't sure. And that's because you're not as sure you're a son. You're, you don't, you're, you're not convinced you have the authority to go into that unseen realm and bring out of that storehouse everything that has been already given to you and created for you. See, it was his, it was his faith he chose us, we didn't choose him. We love him because he loved us. It was all his action. All we could ever do was respond. Un un until he, you are convinced that he is the one that has made us and not we ourselves. Until you're convinced that it is he alone who wills and does the good pleasure in our life. Right? We're never going to believe we're sons. I want, that to, I want that to really grip your heart this morning. I hope it is. Hope it's settling down inside. It's all by his doing. Sons know that they're heirs and they're confident about being an heir of the God who possesses all things. Sons say, I do what I see the Father do. Sons say, I say what I hear the Father say. Now, I don't know whether you realize it or not, but you're already beginning. You have already brought some things from the unseen to the scene. The most powerful force in the universe is love. You can't see love. You can't see love. But when you begin to demonstrate it and manifest it, people can see it. You can see it. Everything that the Father created, He created out of a heart of love. Every time He's moved, He's moved by love. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, long-suffering, all nine of them. You can't see them, but you can manifest them. You can bring them from the unseen to the seen. Now, if you can do it with that, why can't you do that with everything? It's pretty much the same process. It's pretty much acting the same way. When you demonstrate His love, you are pulling a force from the unseen into your life, which is seen. All right, every son of God, every daughter of God, listen to me. Love is the magnet that pulls from the unseen. Every time Jesus was moved with compassion, a miracle took place. When Jesus looked with love, the unseen became the seen. Faith works by love. We have not near taught that as much as we've taught faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And we tried to, tried to work it up ourselves by confessing scripture and getting our little... Uh, things out there every day. No way. It works by love. You really want to work faith, that faith that can come into that unseen, that a son can take into that unseen dimension to bring out. It comes by love. Love comes out of the tree of life. Love does not come out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil looks at somebody and says, they're not worthy of love. That one is worthy of love. If they demonstrate a little bit more, they might be love. You manifest in the visible all the fruit of the Spirit, which is invisible. And it remains invisible. It remains unseen until you put a demand on it through the development of the fruit. Again, if you can do it there, why can't you do it every place? All right, so let's renew our minds to something this morning. Let's renew our minds to something. Whatever you are on the inside becomes what you will manifest on the outside. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What do you have inside of you this morning? You have fear? Do you have doubt? Unbelief? Uh, uh, are you depressed? Feeling unworthy? See, none of, the, none of those things are, are to be part of a son's life. They are things that have come from the outside to the inside. Are, are you with me this morning? Here, here's the three cars on the train. Here's where I want to leave you this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm just about done. 
First of all, you have, you have possession of everything. All things are yours. Second of all, everything that's yours is in the unseen. And I have to chuckle because I know right away some of your, your, your minds are going on tilt because you can't figure out logically how to move it from the unseen to the seen if you do have it all. Third of all, I just, I'm nailing down this morning that sons have the right. They're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. They have the right, the authority, the power, the dominion to, to go into that unseen, to what you need and bring it out to the sea. All right, now next week I'm going to put another car on the train. Remember, this engine is taking us someplace. I'm just putting cars on the train. It's going to be a long train, believe me. Next week, I want to put a car on the train that says this. We live by the favor of God, not by the works of the natural that we can muster up. The harder you try to manifest, the further it gets from you. His favor to you is ensured by the powerful forces that are always working to your advantage. God is always working to your advantage. And we're here to find out exactly how we can cooperate with what he's doing to help us. All right, I want you to take five minutes this week. And I want you to renew your mind. I want you to, I want you to renew your mind to total supply, that you have everything that you need. Need a healing in your body, need finances, need, need a restoration of something. It's, you got it. It belongs to you. And, and change the way you're thinking in your heart. I want you to begin to think about what, what settles into my heart. You can change what goes into your heart. Proverbs, and I'm done with this. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the forces of life. Amen? All right, sons and daughters, you got the goods this morning. You got the authority. Let's keep moving forward with this, okay? We're, we're, this is going to get good. Believe me, this is going to get really gooder and gooder and gooder every week. God's going to take us someplace where we need to go. Amen. See you Wednesday night, Secret Place, back next Sunday morning at the Digital Cathedral. Thanks for lending us your ears. Just a quick reminder, our Digital Cathedral on YouTube gives subscribers the privilege of a front row seat every week. It's a place where our collective excitement amplifies. If you're ready to give, go to donkeithley.com and click on Donate. Your continuous support propels our growth, and for that, we're immensely grateful. Don't forget to hit that follow button and spread the love by sharing this life-giving message with your friends. Have a week filled with blessings and divine encounters. Until next time, stay in grace.